Hey guys, welcome to the Mortgage Man Podcast. I'm Aaron, aka The Mortgage Man, and this podcast is brought to you by Tenta Financial Advisors, where we're going to discuss how to do mortgages, KiwiSaver, and personal insurance better. We're going to have lots of guests, lots of information, and lots of helpful tips so that you can speed up the process. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the what did we call it last time? The Tenta Podcast. The Mortgage Man Podcast brought to you by Tenta Financial Advisors. It is Aaron, your host here with Christopher Brown. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, buddy. Holding up in the nice warm weather we're having here in Auckland. Yeah, well, this podcast is coming from life from Bali. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm in Bali. You're not. So it's yeah, I'm holding the fort. Aaron's <laughs> off gallivanting around the summer, summery beaches of Bali. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, if, it better, if it makes you feel better, it's very humid here and it's cloudy, but it is 28 degrees. Anyway, that's I'm not going to make everybody that's listening jealous, but um, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about buying property with friends and family which we've kind of touched on in the past, um, but we're going to go into it a little bit deeper on like the pros, the cons, how to get out of a deal like that because it is complicated. And if you are planning on buying more properties, it can kind of be a little bit of a, um, I'm going to say ball and chain, a thing that holds you back <laughs> um, for future purchases. So <laughs> it can be a gift and a curse, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with the pros. Um, you can have the floor, mate. Yeah. So I mean, hey, both. I think all three of us here, Anthony, myself, and Aaron, have all owned property and still do own property with family. Um, the pro is you can get into a much larger house a lot sooner. So, and and that is the foremost reason you do it you go in with someone and you can get the house you want now um two incomes two lots of deposits are always better than one and um, on that so before you go into any more points do if we're saying this is for a first home do both people need to live in that house so for example you buy with your brother um or even you and your wife buy with your brother and her and his wife do all four adults have to live in the home and how does that change things if they don't? Yeah, so um, it, it, it raises a very interesting topic with the banks and they, they deal with it very differently. And it's called multi-household uh, deals or multi-household incomes. Um, basically, you to be a first, like a owner-occupied home, only one of you needs to live in it. So you don't need to um, all live in the house, but it does mean if you if you're buying it and living somewhere else, that you all have to be able to afford the mortgage on your own at some of the banks. Um, ASB is our best friend on this one. They have the most lenient policy, but it's still quite difficult to, if you're not all living in the house together, or at least saying that you're going to live in the house together. <laughs> yeah. So how does that, let's say hypothetically, you've got um, one of the brothers that's going to live there with his wife and his family and then the other is not, does that mean that the other brother can still use their KiwiSaver? And if 
meets the eligibility criteria of getting a home start grant, for example, can they still have access to it? Or is that kind of say, sorry, you're not going to actually live in this house. You're going to be renting over there. You can't use your KiwiSaver to purchase this. Yeah, well, so KiwiSaver is <coughs> slightly different than a mortgage, right? And so KiwiSaver is a personal declaration of this is my first home. Um, and so when you're requesting your KiwiSaver, you actually sign a piece of paper saying, I'm going to live in this house for at least six months. Like, and that's a declaration you sign. Um, we often find that, that, you know, if you decide to change your plans after you buy the house, you can't stand living with your brother and his wife. Um, circumstances do change and it can, you can move out, but um, for the upfront, when you're tr getting your server, you have to say you're going to use, going to live there. Okay. Um, at least on paper, <laughs> if you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the brother with the brother, if you obviously both don't have families living together, it's probably going to be all good. If you do have families, it might get a bit complicated. Um, and then I guess, and I would probably touch on the cons when we talk about this next point is how does one of them or both of them then decide, okay, well, I now want to go have my own house because it's now been three or four or five years and I want to have my own house with my own family. Then what happens? Like, obviously there's a few options for them. They can sell their house or they can go get another mortgage, but what's the best option or what kind of pitfalls should they be mindful of? Yeah, and this is where the the biggest conversation needs to happen if you're ever going to buy with family or friends um, about what happens when one person wants to get out because inevitably one person's going to want to not live there forever, right? They're going to have get their own family, they're going to get their own kids and all of a sudden it's either the person who's got the kids that wants to get their own place or it's the family member who's like screw living with your baby that's hard work i'm gonna go get my own place and um you know if we're let's say you know now's an extremely good example of of when it can go wrong is that if you bought your house last year and now this year the property prices have dropped massively um you're actually going to be in a situation where if you sell the house, you could lose money. And if one of you has to get out, that's going to be a really tough conversation and a really awkward position for both parties to be in. And that I just need to leave, but I'm going to cost us, you know, 40, 50 grand potentially. Um, how do you kind of tackle that as a family? And that that's a real possibility of buying with, with friends and family if you have to get out, you know, like let's say you get forced into bankruptcy or something, you're going to have to mm. sell the property. <laughs> yeah. I guess in that so, scenario, you'd probably just get one of you to rent uh, until house prices go back up. Right. Um, but let, I mean, if you, let's if you say, can, yeah. Yeah. Let's say you just decided, well, why don't we keep that house and I go buy another one. So one brother's going to be like, cool. I'll live in this one that we co-own we're both put into the mortgage and then the other brother's like, I'm going to go buy another house by myself with my family or with whoever. I think people 
don't really understand how the bank views that liability of the other mortgage that they kind of both own. So maybe if we can like touch on that a little bit. Yeah. And I, and you know, one of my favorite clients by the name of Aaron Cattell um, actually has this exact situation that every time he goes and buys a property, <laughs> we have to give all the information of his lovely brother. <laughs> um, I mean, Hey, the bank wants to know your situation. And if you own property, they want to know about it, right? And so if you own that property with someone else, they need to know about that person too. Um, and so anytime you're going to go and buy a house on your own, they're going to take your whole situation into account. And you're going to need to, um, you know, from, from a new purchase point of view, you're going to have to be able to afford the new purchase on your own without your brother's help and the existing house on your own. Um, some banks will let you do afford half the mortgage, et cetera. But by and large, you're going to have to be able to afford both mortgages to get a new house by with your own salary, you know, maybe a little rent or things that mitigate it, but it becomes quite a complex equation. And unless you earn lots of money, it's often quite difficult to kind of navigate buying another house when you own a property with someone else who's not buying the the new one with you, you know? Yeah. So numbers now, wise, I mean, just to, just to like expand on this. So let's say I'm buying a new property with a partner and the mortgage is going to be a million dollars. I need to be able to service that with my partner's income. So Aaron and partner, income to service that million dollar mortgage that I'm going to live in. Plus you've got this property I own with my brother that owes $500,000 on the mortgage. I also need to probably be able to service that $500,000, even though it's shared with my brother, the bank's going to be like, well, that's actually a liability that you are responsible for if he's no longer around. Like you said, some banks will take 50% of that, but will they actually take his income into consideration or will they take my partner's income into consideration for that $500,000 other property, or would they just be like, well, technically that's not part of the deal. Usually they're just like, technically it's not part of the deal. <laughs> um, but it all kind of, it all depends on the situation, but basically you just, you, you kind of get stuck with, you have to do it yourself. Um, mm. the, and, and the reason being is that, you know, your brother could, lose his job and if then you know you're stuck paying two mortgages on your own um you know that's a big risk for the bank to take on and yep. you know you're 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 leveraging other people's income to borrow far more than you could ever afford on your own and so they get really nervous about that um especially if there are two different um i mean the only way really to do it is at two different banks um, in terms of security wise, but they get really nervous about mortgages and people they don't know and don't have control over. So they do make you jump through lots of hoops. So yeah, it is, and yeah. on that, like obviously in that scenario for me personally, we've made it managed to go through where I've only had a 50% liability depending on the bank, but that's also because of who my brother and my partner banked with as well and who had the mortgages. So I think this is a really important thing that if you're in this situation or you want to be in this situation is having a mortgage broker that can 
kind of navigate and figure out which bank to put all of you at to see if you can get 50% liability if that's what you want is going to probably be the thing that makes you actually be able to buy another property rather than having 100% liability because if you've got 50% liability of 500,000 as opposed to 100% liability of 500,000 that's a pretty big difference in whatever your new loan amount is going to be. And that's why having a mortgage broker, as opposed to going to the bank, is going to be super helpful, I think. Yeah, totally. I, I think whenever you have more than one person involved, it is a massive um, a massive hindrance to go to the bank direct because these situations come up once in a blue moon for a guy across the bank. They are typically dealing with mum and dad buying a first, second, third home, and they've bought and they've sold and they've got some cash, and that's all they really know. These unique and kind of tricky situations, it's very easy for just the bank to turn around and just say, ah, it's too difficult, no thank you, it's a no for us. Which is what we've actually had last week, I think we had someone come through that literally went to the bank and was told that, and then we were like, well, we can do it this way. Uh, oh, cool. Okay. We'll go with you. And it's like, for us, it's quite common. But yeah, like you said, I think it's just, so they're like, eh, no. Anytime it just gets too many moving pieces uh, and it's hard to comprehend, they just give up. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a bit about a different scenario buying with parents. So, and again, we had one of these. Uh, this week I think I did the loan structure for um, you know you've got your your son who's obviously working so he might be 25 30 and then you've got your parents that are near retirement age that haven't owned a property before um, obviously that <laughs> makes you wonder you know obviously if you're if you're New Zealander you lived in New Zealand your whole life and you're 16 you haven't owned a property before the banks are like, why haven't you owned a property before um, but that's a whole different thing but how how is the bank, bank going to view that scenario yeah so that's an interesting one. and I think um, the same a more common occurrence there is that parents have sold their house but they didn't get a whole lot of money out of that sale for whatever reason. Um, maybe it was a leasehold property or they had other debts to pay or something like that. And, and basically they've got a bit of cash, but not really a whole lot um, is far more common what we see. But buying with your parents is a tough one because the banks turn around and say, well, your parents are probably going to retire in less than 30 years and your standard mortgage is 30 years. So, what are you going to do? Like, and it, and it's a very valid question, you know, like we've, we've actually got a couple clients at the moment who are saying they're two or three years down the track into living with their parents and they're all, they're turning around and saying, you know, they swore black and blue that this is going to be the best thing in the world. So we said, okay, you know, like as long as you've had this conversation, as long as you've kind of had a family meeting and, and made sure you know what's going on, but um, you know, now two or three years down the track, it's we're going to have to do something about it. But I digress. So, so to go back, the banks look at it and they just say, how much longer has the oldest person got worth left to work? And the first problem you come into is that it's usually only 10 to 15 years. And if you're going to have to pay the entire mortgage back in 10 to 15 years, that's usually doesn't work. It's so expensive that nobody can afford to buy it there. Um, 
And so often you have to come up with a very strong, um, what they call exit strategy. So how are you actually going to get rid of this mortgage? How are you going to exit this, this binding contract, this mortgage to pay it off? Um, and so they often request you to come up with big solid plans of how you're going to sell and what you're going to be able to pay off and how much Kiwi saver you'll have at retirement and things like that. But, um, it's, it's definitely doable and we do do quite a lot of them, but it is quite a bit of work extra and, and getting the bank to be comfortable with the fact that you're 25, your parents are 55 and have only got 10 to 15 years left to work in them, you know, so. And I think that brings us to another point is like, what are they actually going to do for their retirement if they use the Kiwi Savers or all the cash that they've got to buy this house? Um, what they're going to live on and i mean i had a call a couple of weeks ago from a lady that was like me and my partner are 55 and 60 we never owned a house before we're trying to figure out if we should use our two hundred thousand dollar kiwi saver to buy a house or just rent for the rest of our lives and i'm just like that's a really not great situation to be in because if you use a kiwi saver buy this house then technically you could, if your incomes are strong enough, pay it off before you retire at 70. But then what are you going to live off when you get to 70? Like the super's not going to be enough versus you've got your Kiwi saver and then you're still going to have to pay rent until you die, um, which again, isn't great. So if you are 25 and 30, think about your retirement when you're young because it will set you up now um, so that you're in a better position when you're a little bit later. Um, <laughs> Get your Kiwi server sorted now. <laughs> There's yeah. massive, massive reasons why you should care about it because most people don't. It's really sad. We have our, our Kiwi server advisor, Luke, dealing with this all day, every day. He calls people and tries to get them to say, hey, man, you're going to make an extra $500,000. Uh, and they're just like, oh, yeah, that sounds nice, but I can't really be bothered getting you my driver's license a photo, you know, so it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. little gripe um, there. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, I think the main thing of if you're buying a family is make sure you have a conversation and even get an agreement in place of what happens if, and then like write down the scenarios. If I want to sell, if you want to sell, if we split up, if you split up with your wife or, um, you know, if you're buying with your parents, like if one of you needs to go to retirement home or stuff like that, so that it's very clear before you go into the agreement, you know what's going to happen in those situations. Because if you don't have that written down, when it does get to that stage, that's when all the things could kind of like break up families and whatnot. So I think that's probably the most important thing to take away from this podcast. Do you agree? Yeah. I agree. I mean, hey, we've kind of spent the entire podcast talking about the negatives of it, um, but the po and, and you know the positive is you get a house way sooner. So there are a lot of reasons to do it. You know, two incomes, yeah. two deposits. As I was saying, it makes it so much easier to do it, um, and you can buy a house now instead of renting. Like that is that is a massive, massive positive and like you know i've done it you've done it my brother's done it successfully anthony here um we've all kind of benefit benefited hugely from it but the key point is just make sure you do 
um, are aware of what you're getting yourself into because it's not just as simple as sweet let's all get together and buy a house we can do it now yeah. if we all do it together um, which is great but buyer beware and I guess that's kind of where the title comes from it's like it'll help you get in so much faster but how do you get out <laughs> yeah and big, I think also one question yeah one last thing as well which is more my situation is instead of actually buying a home that either of you are going to live in maybe consider buying an investment property that you both own and have tenants in there and then you can potentially leverage that equity to use for deposits on your own own owner occupied homes which is again what uh, Mitchell my brother has been doing and then a you know worst case scenario you have to sell it's a lot cleaner because neither of you live there neither of you are selling your home you can be like okay we bought it for this we sold it for this split the profits use the profits to buy something um, which is again obviously an option you can't use a kiwi saver but uh, you know if it works that way who cares I mean yeah, totally. Using your Kiwi um, server isn't the, the end. You don't have to use it all the time. You can use it. Wait, wait until the time if you want to use it. Yeah, I mean, again, side note, but not using your Kiwi server is the best possible way to have more than a million dollars in your Kiwi server when you retire. Because starting again when you're 30 plus, normally people buying their first home, um, versus starting your Kiwi server when you're 18. Um, the difference is massive in terms of time and end result of millions of dollars versus thousands of dollars. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's um, call it there. That kind of went longer than I wanted it to, <laughs> but it was great hearing your voice. I missed it. Um, we're going <laughs> to actually going to record another episode straight after this one. Um, so if you are listening, then basically just wait for the next one, which is, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about moving to a cheaper region so that you can afford a house. So, um, yeah, if you're on Spotify or whatever, just go listen to that one after this one. Um, yeah, thanks for coming out with us, Chris. Thanks for being in here. And Cheers, man. It's, it's <laughs> nice to know that you've been gone less than a week and you miss me already. That's true okay. love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, if you guys are listening and you do need some help with this kind of thing, hello at tanta.co.nz or just send us a message on um, whatever platform you are listening to this on. Adios. Cheers, guys. Have a great day. Bye.